0: What is up Mets fans welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up podcast a little second half preview for you as we're coming out of the all-star break we got the Dodgers series coming up we just had the MLB draft all-star game home run derby a lot of different things to talk about with you guys as well as just kind of talk about how we're feeling going into the second half of the season we know the first half was not the way we hoped didn't go out how we planned but maybe we still got some hope here in the second half we'll talk about everything with you guys as we always do Make sure you're following us on all our social media, at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Go subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you're looking for the video version of this. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, whatever it is, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download and subscribe. Honestly, James, I'm not going to lie, before I brought, or I'll bring you in now too, but I have not looked to see if anybody's dropped us a review recently on the old Apple Podcasts, a little written review. So I'm going to look that up here. While uh, you just tell us what you're up to, because you're you're in a different place as well again.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm taking advantage of the All Star break, doing some traveling. Also, though, talking about reviews, we're getting close to 500 reviews on Spotify, which is that's a huge benchmark. Ooh. Would be cool. Would be cool to get there in the next month or so. So, any guys listening, I'll drop a Spotify review. But I'm in beautiful Lake Tahoe. I just you know join the All Star break, doing some hiking, doing some paddleboarding. I'm gonna go kayaking today after we do this podcast. It's it's probably. I've I've seen a lot of America I've been to 37 states this might be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in America Wow really Mm -hmm. genuinely it's just like it's a big beautiful clear lake just completely surrounded on every side by mountains and a lot of them have snow on them it's like the most scenic stuff ever is where is Lake Tahoe in where is it is in California. It's uh, it splits through California and Nevada, so like you go around half the lake and you're in California, then you go around the other half the lake you're in Nevada, which is kind of funny because like both of them, I love little like little stupid like geography like civic stuff. Like I love when like places geographic locations are split between states because you see like like sharp changes when you cross the border. Like Nevada has. Like, for example, like gambling allowed. So, like three inches from the California border, there are just casinos everywhere. <laughs> There's like four of them. There's like a golden nugget. There's one that's dedicated. To, oh, dedicated to a football player. It's it was a Jim Kelly? I don't remember who. But it was very, it was really funny. And then you cross over to California and then you see like it gets like very different. Like the the roads are paved differently. There's like different bike lanes and sidewalks. It's it's very funny like to cross over and like three inches, everything changes. Much better yeah, food no, than the other side too, which I was surprised by. Yeah, I uh, luckily got
0: my air conditioning fixed, so no longer have to complain about that. It's like a crisp 71 in here. I've just been keeping it so low ever since it's gotten fixed. It's just something I take for granted. Absolutely
1: love it. I'm sure. How's your Airbnb? Your Airbnb got uh, air conditioning over there? It doesn't, but it's very cool out here. It's like during the day, it gets to like 80 and at night it like drops into the 50s. So it's very, very Whoa. pleasant weather to be a part of. One okay. thing that's caveat one thing that's crazy um uh southern italian heritage you know from new york we don't get the crazy like uv crazy sun we're gonna have some sun hubris here we don't apply that much sunscreen i've gotten singed by the sun out here in two days i'm com- burnt to a crisp it's terrible i'm applying like a little bit of sunscreen that was just what they had at 7-eleven also cool tons of 7-elevens here really i feel at home when there's a lot of 7-elevens around no free ads but it's just like a it's a homey homey convenience store about because a lot of them were near where we grew up but my back of my neck is completely burnt my sides, which has never been burnt before. It's I am my nose, it's terrible. I'm I'm crispy right now. A little aloe
0: vera goes a long way. I love some aloe vera on the skin. Just a little, little tip for you. But let's go ahead and talk about uh the all-star game, home run derby real quick. Uh Pete unfortunately just got some tough pitches and also ran into Julio Rodriguez, who put up 41 home runs in the first one. Forty our first round, 41 is an insane amount of home runs to hit in what was it, like three and a half minutes? Cause I think he got the bonuses. How, what's the math come out mm-hmm. there? Like that's like 10 home runs. That's over 10 home runs a minute. That's an insane pace.
1: Him and Randy is kind of ironic saying it now. Cause both of them wound up losing to the eventual champion, Vladimir Guerrero jr. They both had such ridiculous pace in their first round of the home run derby and got such incredible, like every single pitch bang, same spot, same spot, same spot, same spot, same spot. Like just the, their fitness was ridiculous during that first round of the derby. The, the sheer amount of hard swings they were putting out there like per second, It was, it was, it was spectacle to watch, but just, it keeps going with this home run derby thing every year where the person who does the best show in the first round never winds up winning. It's really funny watching this year over year and how those guys just can't, can't do it before Randy Rosarena took his last at bat against Vladimir Guerrero jr. In the finals, he had a 47 minute layoff. Like he probably got so tired and so stiff after swinging that hard, that quickly, that long, like it was in like that. He just totally ran out of gas. Very funny year after year watching this.
0: Yeah. And I mean, people, Despite, like, maybe not getting the best pitches, put up like a decent performance. I think he put up 21 or 20 in the first round, which would have won a bunch of the matchups. So, I mean, good showing by Pete. He ran into Julio, who was at home, hit 41 home runs, and his pitcher, like, literally did not miss. His pitcher was absolutely locked in, hit the spot every single time. It's going to happen. Pete is still one of the best home run derby competitors of all time. And I'm sure Pete will probably run one back as well some point again in his career I don't think this is the end of Pete in the home run derby by any means and in terms of the all-star game Kodai Senga chose not to pitch he was like I want to focus on the season which I love that I love hearing that from Kodai Senga that's just stuff that like you know think about the bigger picture it's your first all-star game I could totally see a world where you're like I want to pitch in Seattle obviously there's like a big Japanese fan base in Seattle because of Ichiro and he's like you know what gonna think about the season a lot of bigger things to work on it's not that important love to hear that Pete didn't play that well in the All Star game, but uh National League did win. If this uh was still the old school All Star game, be big home field advantage for the National League in the World Series. But I can you even
1: believe that they used to do that, that the All Star game actually used to matter. I didn't even like hate that because at least there was like a lot more like tenacity in the game itself. Remember that really crazy extra inning game when you were probably like thirteen or fourteen years old? What?
0: well i well i the extra inning game i'm always gonna remember is uh well i guess it technically wasn't extra innings ended in a tie when barry bonds got robbed at the fence and he ran out and like tackled i was it, i don't remember who was playing center field but that's the one in milwaukee hunter, i always Bob. remember Torrey hunter yeah
1: i'm thinking of the one that was at i believe it was at the old Yankee stadium where dan ugla got the rbi hit and what was like the 15th inning mm-hmm. i think i think they made adam wainwright pitch like six innings in that game <laughs> just because, like, was it Wainwright? Who they they had someone like the one because they use all their pitchers. Cause that's how the all-star game works. Like, and they it wound up being one guy just st- stayed out there for innings and innings and innings, just ate them because they were like, we get, we have to, we have to play this game for something meaningful. Also, the Kodai a thing is interesting because I do again many respect for him saying I'm not going to pitch in this game, this game because it's meaningless. But his ending would have been so electric with it big because he would have been able to gas like a hundred, 101 miles an hour, like with ghost forks, like the crowd would've been going crazy. Twitter would've gone crazy. Like that, that is the one little thing is bittersweet, but again, like hats off to Kodai for seeing, seeing the bigger picture and and making that decision. And you're, you're not a big all-star game guy,
0: right? Like you don't really care about it at all or anything. And I, I, I know you said like they at least used to carry a little tenacity. These guys play the game very hard. They still like very much. try. I think it gets overblown. Like, the NBA and NFL and all the other sports. I don't know about NHL because who cares? That's only a sport John cares about. But NBA and NFL, obviously, they don't care at all. There's like little to no effort. The MLB All-Star Game, they still very much play hard and try to win. Like Elias Diaz, big big home run to win it for the National League.
1: You're 100 right. I'm not saying that like not a little nasty. I don't care. But my my thing with the All-Star Game is something that is is not from my perspective is something that can't change. But it's just something that I always think is like funny. It's the fact that like we. The, the NBA All Star game, while it's ridiculous, the one reason it still works is because when it's crunch time, I put that in huge air quotes for people not watching on YouTube, like they can at least put the best players back in the game. And the All Star game is funny because, like, the guys who are voted in, the guys who have all the prestige, they're out of the game in the third inning. And then in the eighth inning, you have, like, and again, LSD is having an amazing year, but, like, you have LESD versus, like, Felix Bautista, like, Brent Rooker is getting his at bat. Like, it's like, it's a little, you lose, like, a little bit of what like the game was like voted on for you know what I mean because like everyone Mm -hmm. and everyone like that they mix in everyone gets their bat in the all-star game and stuff but then you get like again you get like the critical at bat of the game and I last night the AL did still have like superstars hitting in ninth inning because like Julio was a reserve Jose Ramirez was a reserve like so those guys were facing Craig Kimbrell and like okay there was like some drama at the end there AL could have made the comeback and won but that's always my my half a gripe with the all-star games the fact that like the players who like wheeze the fans voted on and got in there like the biggest superstars they're out of the game in third inning. Like, all right, see, we'll we'll figure it out the rest later.
0: That's very fair.
1: I think that's a very
0: fair uh, response. I was like, because people who are like, "Ah, I don't care, they don't care about the game. I'm like, I don't agree with that. But you do make a very good point that technically the guys that you want to see the most play like two or three innings, and then you get to see a lot of Brent Rooker, which good for Brent Rooker. Shout out Brent Rooker. Having a great season with the A's. Let's go ahead and talk about the other event of All-Star Weekend, my personal favorite event that they've now added, although it's just so hectic for me as a content creator. The MLB draft happened the day before the All-Star Game, so on Sunday night, we had the first and second round, and the Mets had quite the draft this year, had a really good draft last year, a lot of really good things to say about it, and this year... It started off with an absolute bang because, of course, the Mets dropped down to number thirty-two overall because of hitting the the tax where they spent too much money. So you get bu- uh, bumped down in the draft because of how much money was spent. They had thirty-second overall, going from twenty-second, and they ended up getting Colin Houck, who was a guy that was ranked by some people inside the top ten, by most inside the top fifteen in terms of just true talent in the entire draft class. Shortstop out of Parkview High School in Georgia, he's a really big, strong kid, six foot two, six foot three, like. 195 pounds he was also a quarterback in high school a three-star recruit he actually wanted to be a quarterback too possibly in college Uh, he was committed to play baseball at Mississippi State weren't interested in his football talents but still a three-star recruit he was a phenomenal phenomenal athlete I'm just super excited one because like I love his swing he crushes baseballs and two you're getting a really good baseball player who is also juggling another sport While doing this, imagine what this kid could turn into when he's just, like, focused on baseball, only worrying about, like, hey, trying to mash baseballs and play a really good shortstop.
1: And, again, just having the physical tools of being a three-star recruit in a highly, highly competitive football state like Georgia. And, of course, he did grow up in Georgia, and he did admit already to growing up and being a Braves (laughs) fan. But he said that's out the window. So we'll see that. And, like, I everything I've heard about him from people who I trust who, like, really, like, so scouting draft college baseball, high school baseball. They say that a couple of years in college, and this kid had potential to be a, like number one overall draft pick type of talent, like regular eggs of velocities, like in the hundreds as a high schooler, which is serious. The at the he's a great athlete again from the football stuff and just being a shortstop. The tools are great. It's a really fun pick, and this is kind of exactly how a team like the Mets could and should be able to take advantage of having this uh these draft penalties for having a high um a high payroll by then losing that pick. Like focusing on guys who are dropping because of their uh, slot value, and then being able to just to uh, have a shot to sign a guy for much more money than the value of this pick is technically worth, and it's great. Like this kind of this gave like so so much confidence. It should give everyone so much confidence. And the Mets now like in because it's the first year we've had a lot of these new people in the building for the draft people in player development people in scouting and this is like not the first draft they've been a part of but i've heard people especially in the nfl draft i'm sure i'm will be similar because it's so deep and it's so complex and there's so many moving parts say you basically need one full calendar year to prepare for the draft like minimum so like this is the first calendar year ahead of a draft that we've had all these very smart people in place in our player development scouting departments and you see a pick like this and you're like okay like Let's execute this, get this guy signed, and this could be a really, a really, really, really key contributor to the Mets prospect pool.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, just think about like where they got Kevin Parado last year. Think about like the areas that they got Jet Williams. This guy was like ranked like inside those those spots where those guys were taken. And we were able to get him at 32. Huge, huge get for the Mets. Really excited about that pick. Like the fact that he just kept dropping and dropping. Like, oh my God, he's he's gonna be here for the Mets. This is like one of my favorite guys in the draft. And to get him is always super exciting. They also got another guy that they really like. They drafted him last year in the third round. We're able to get him in the second round this year. Brandon Sproat, pitcher out of the University of Florida. Pretty cool that he accepted coming back, too, because obviously he didn't sign. And when you don't sign with the team, they have to ask for permission to draft you again. And Brandon Sproat's like, yeah, of course. Like, bring me back. That sounds great. It had nothing to do with, like, the team at all. Throws 100 miles an hour, like, not consistently. He can get it up to 100 miles an hour, which is really cool. And I think you said, what, the changeup is his best pitch as his second?
1: Changeup is his best pitch, which is really rare, I feel like, for a college pitcher of this pedigree because changeup is such a feel pitch. And usually, like, when you're throwing this hard, something like a slider will be just probably easier to figure out because you can just, like, whip that thing down. But... Coming off of that 100-mile-an-hour fastball, it definitely has more ride than run, especially arm side. So the pitch doesn't have exactly the best shape in the world, but if it holds the upper 90s, it's still going to be a, a very, very, very good pitch. It kind of works a little bit better off that changeup, and it has really, really good uh, velocity differences fastball, about like 12, 13 miles an hour. I'm sure that could also change a little bit once we get him in the pitching lab. And the key thing about sprout and why he was drafted in like around a top 60 prospect rather than top 10, 15 prospect is the fact that this slider is kind of still middling like if that slide doesn't come along and again this is like just we're talking way down a line. every single draft prospect there's always there's always pros there's cons everything there's definitely some reliever risk if, if the slide doesn't come along but if that slider becomes legit and the mets have had some success developing new pitches with guys they've drafted the last few years especially the last two years that could he, he could legitimately be a stud the upper 90s holes the changeup up already has elite feel for it suddenly that slider becomes even just just like league average with good command that this guy has potential to be a uh, like high-rotation piece, worse than mid-rotation piece. He also has a show-me curveball, too, so that's another thing they can work on. So there's an cr- incredible toolbox here Brandon Sprout Took him as a senior who's still just 21 years old, so a young senior, which I think is also yeah. really, really cool and important for his player development. And since he's a senior, you're going to you're gonna be able to sign him under slot, and that's more money for Colin Houck. 100%. Mets also then in the third round, took a couple interesting players.
0: Nolan McLean, a two-way player out of Oklahoma State. The dude is just super strong. I've been watching him swing. He hit a ball at Globe Life Field, the right center field. He's a right-handed hitter. 400-plus feet. I mean, crushed it. And there's just some balls that he hit at Oklahoma State that, like, they don't have, like, a bandbox by any means in college baseball. And, of course, everything's with a metal bat, so you got to take a little bit off the power here. But he was putting them, like, way over the batter's eye. I mean, we're talking, like, 450, 460-foot home runs. Absolutely crushes it. Does have some swing and miss risk. I mean, he had, like, a 35% K rate in college. But the power, the raw power is 100% there. And you heard me mention he's a two-way player. He was a reliever in college for Oklahoma State as well, kind of coming in towards the end of games. You don't really like necessarily have closers in college because it's a little bit more fluid than that. Um, but he throws like in the mid to upper 90s at times. Doesn't have maybe – like I, I couldn't see much from the secondary pitches, again, because it's tough with college baseball – but another thing that was also really cool, he just kind of plays everywhere, including pitcher. He played first base, second base, third base, and right field along with pitching in college. You don't find that too often for a guy drafted in the first three rounds.
1: No, definitely this was this was a this was a bet on raw power here. He does have the raw power. We'll see whether or not the two-way thing continues. It's definitely a fun, fun story, but that's gonna be up to the mess to decide that. He just last swing and miss, but raw power. And that's and at that at this point in the draft, that's not a bad player to take a shot on. Yep. And then Cade Morris, the other guy we talked about. You're gonna you're kind
0: of gonna get a theme here with a lot of the pitchers that we're gonna mention. Cade Morris, forcing fastball, it sits in the mid 90s, tops out 97, 98, which is pretty cool. Another fastball changeup guy, which kind of builds into what you were saying about the Mets pitching lab, thinking that they can probably develop a slider or whatever the breaking ball pitch is gonna be with a lot of these guys. A lot of fastball changeup dudes, really clean mechanics. I know this isn't like a fair comp, and this isn't, I'm not saying they're the same player by any means. But Caden Morris, really clean mechanics, similar to a guy like Mike Vassell. was a decent pitcher in college, obviously. Good mechanics. Mets have been able to develop him into a very good pitcher. Had a great outing in the Futures game as well this past weekend.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention that when you brought up Vassal, he got a strikeout in the Futures game. So shout out. We're talking about our, our new prospects coming in, but shout out to one who is the closest to the majors. Mike Vassal has developed incredibly well over these last few years. Something cool about Caden Morris? Well, maybe not cool, but again, I'm just trying to like foresee like what's going to happen there. That fastball, isn't exactly a high spin fastball it's it's lower velocity than Sprots with similarly not so good shape it might even be a tiny bit worse and i think having that great changeup already and maybe this could be maybe this could be the key to spro too we've seen just like the the most beautiful thing about these pitchers is that there's so many different paths to success to get a guy who's going to be good. One of my favorite things I saw coming out of the All Star break and shout out my guy Lance Brosdowski is becoming one of the best pitching analysts that exist on TV, internet, Twitter, whatever. He did a funny spot for a Yes Network over this week where he was talking about the fact that the Yankees. No, we don't want to give the Yankees any credit here, but their bullpen ERA no. technically, factually, is the lowest in baseball. But the second lowest bullpen ERA is the Cleveland Guardians. Hilariously, the Yankees have the highest rate of sinkers for any bullpen in baseball and the lowest rate of four seamers. The Guardians are completely the opposite: the highest rate of four seamers, the lowest rate of sinkers. So it's very clearly many ways to develop a good pitcher here, and I feel like these guys, Sproat and Cade Morris, maybe less so Sproat because that velocity is good enough. Like you, you can definitely see a path where you can find a turbo sinker or like. A power sinker developing with these guys because they already have the great changeups, and those sinkers work so well coming off those changeups. And you throw a little slider on top of that, and that's like a curveball on top of that, you suddenly have a pretty amazing three pitch mix that can get you all the way through. We're seeing um you even get the color in there as well. And you're seeing guys like really develop that re- really well these last few years as pitching development gets even more and more intricate. And I'm very confident the best pitching development after what we've seen in the last six months. So I definitely love the paths for a guy like Morris and sproat who have good command good mechanics, good pitching major league bodies and can, and can find their, uh, find their repertoires that way. I'm going to, uh, lend, hand
0: this one off to you. Talk about your boy, Wyatt. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm going to let you take it.
1: Why do the poll baby? I, I don't do very much, uh, draft. MB draft stuff before the draft. It's just, it's so comp. Conv- it's it, it, the whole thing is convoluted to me. I'm like, it all just depends on the money anyway. So it's like hard to analyze something that's like, you're not even taking the best players at the top of the draft. It's confusing to me, but. I found a video of this guy, why do the Pole, before the draft? I just like completely fell in love with all of his pitch shapes because they're, they're, they're just genuinely beautiful. His fastball is amazing. It sits mid-90s. He's touched the upper 90s, but really sits the mid-90s. And it just has that beautiful, beautiful carry, hoppy, rising shape. Like he is a guy who, the Mets have found more velo for guys like Tyler Stewart and Mike Vassal over the last couple of years. Christian Scott as well. If he can go from like a 93 to 95 fastball to like a 96, 98 fastball, this becomes... A, a, a potential like meteoric pitching prospect. I'm not saying that's guaranteed. And I'm not, and even just with the toolbox he has right now, because curveball is also really, really good and plays super well off that fastball because it just has great vertical, uh, vertical drop. This is a guy with a toolbox who is really, really, really excited. Why Huda Pole?
0: Yeah, Huda Pole. What, what college did he go to? Did you say?
1: Uh, I don't even remember. I'll check that right now. I'll look it up real quick. Hold on. I just, I'm, I'm I just on saw the website and I was like,
0: wow. Oh, UNC Charlotte. Go Niners. I think they're the Niners. Interesting campus, UNC Charlotte. I visited it when I was doing my college thing because it was a big South guy. And UNC Charlotte, if I'm in North Carolina, I might as well just stop if we're driving through. Great, great barbecue in North Carolina. Next guy I want to talk about here, AJ Ewing. This to me is like, I, I'm really excited about this kid. He's a smaller guy. I mean, I wish I was six feet tall and could say I'm a smaller guy, but six feet, 160 pounds. Left-handed swing and shortstop from Ohio. Shout out Ohio, James. I know you love that state. But this kid takes
1: war hacks.
0: War hacks. A violent, violent left-handed swing. I absolutely love guys who just like kind of say, like, F it and sell out. And they just take absolute war hacks, like I was saying. Really makes the most of his body. I love his swing. Like, really, really clean mechanics for a guy, again, who takes a violent hack. He was committed to the University of Alabama, so he was going to be an SEC baseball guy, which... Absolutely love because the SEC is by far the best conference in all of college baseball. And what's really cool is Perfect Game gives you some numbers on their website that aren't behind a paywall. One of my favorite is swing efficiency. And again, this kind of builds into his mechanics and why I think this is really cool. 90% swing efficiency according to Perfect Game, which is among some of the highest in all of high school prospects. And you can get his exit velos at these events that he went to. and He had the same exit velo as Max Clark, 94 miles an hour. Max Clark went number three over or four over three overall. Yeah, three overall to the Detroit Tigers in the last or in this draft, and he was one of the most hyped prospects of the entire thing. Talked about as an incredible athlete, the physical tools are crazy. And AJ Ewing under the radar, low key, wasn't even ranked by MLB Pipeline. A bunch of other people did. He had the same exophilos as this guy. He also throws ninety from shortstop. Like I don't really understand how he dropped. The only reason I could figure out maybe is just because. People probably thought he's going to go to University of Alabama, and that's always still a risk, but this is something you talked about with the Mets. We're getting penalized and getting our picks pushed back a little bit because we spend so much money, but that's also an advantage for the Mets in the draft is that they will spend the money and can get these guys that maybe weren't as likely to sign because they needed more money to not go to college, AJ Ewing being maybe one of those guys.
1: I also just love conceptually drafting a player from a state like Ohio because you have so much less time to play baseball in a state like Ohio compared to any state below the Mason Dixon line. Ohio, you have maybe four or five months, six if you're really a grinder to play outdoor baseball, where in the South, you have 12 months, possibly like 11 even at a minimum to play outdoor baseball. So it's probably a lot, more, a lot more chance for development there, a lot more uh, projection. And something else great about AJ Ewing is that you're kind of still seeing over these last few years, there this this movement of MLB, like away from size and just looking straight at the tools. And you see the bat speed, you see the swing efficiency, you see the raw power. He has a plus arm too, and like range that probably could like keep him as a middle infielder, shortstop as long as he wants to. And a lot, a lot of smart draft people who I follow, they really, really, really like this pick. And it really reminded me a lot. because also same similar spot in the draft to like Jacob Reimer last year, who we've seen already show power in the Mets system, in the minor leagues. Again, not, not the biggest guy, but can mash. It's great. It is a lot a lot, a lot, of great stuff for AJ Ewing. I love I love the Mets with this draft strategy. Really seemingly buying into, and we saw this a lot with Jet Williams' pick last year too, like buying into the data, taking your shots, and then worry about signing them after. Yep, 100%. I mean, the Mets took a ton of pitchers in, tr- in
0: this draft, which we know was like a big thing that we wanted. Like they need more arms in the system. They need more arms down there. So it's good to see that they're going after it. Last hitter I'm going to talk about here, Nick LaRusso. University of Maryland, drove in 105 runs last year. 105 in college is insane because you play like 60 games. The dude is just, I mean, he's a masher. This that guy absolutely rakes. So the most RBIs in college baseball tied with Tommy White at LSU, who is arguably the best hitter in the entire college game. So really cool that, uh, you know, took a guy that just mashed. Like, you're like, same thing. Like, you look at the data, hits the ball hard, walks, doesn't strike out a lot, hits home runs, things you like to see. Last and final guy we'll talk about here because you talk about data. Brett Banks converted to a reliever out of UNC Wilmington. Big boy. Great stuff. Throws gas.
1: Yeah. Among the national leaders in College Stuff Plus, converted to reliever in 2022 when he was struggling a little bit repeating his mechanics with command. Became a very good reliever for them in the past two years. He's got, again, that perfect rising fastball. sits 94-97. That beautiful, beautiful hop carry and short power slider. But the fastball is really the whiff pitch, which is super interesting to me as a college reliever. And again, a lot, the data people say this is a great swing because there's the opportunity here, similar to Christian Scott, to push uh, either push um, Brett Banks back to being a starter, help him refine his command, because he's a big boy. It just doesn't seem like he really that good using his lower half i guess these small schools they don't have pitching labs so it's kind of just you know hey you know use your legs a little bit instead of like showing you like on like a really good video like how to use your legs better and how to get more efficient use of your hips and and turn your body but he's a guy who either could kind of get be fast-tracked as a reliever or take the slow road become a starter again and definitely have a lot a lot a lot of upside just because that fastball is what it is like there's a lot of of like philosophy and pitcher development that you really the hardest thing to do is change a fastball shape. So when you have this fastball shape to start, you are so far ahead of the game, and you you have such high potential. And they, you see that with a guy like Brett Banks, when he throws that fastball. And you talked about pitching labs too. Austin
0: Troser, they took out of University of Missouri in the fourth round. Missouri is a pitching lab school. That's like the first college team that like embraced any of these analytics and spin rates and all that kind of stuff. So keep an eye out on him too. If we didn't mention someone, it's not that we don't think highly of them. There's just not a lot of info on a lot of these guys. Like Once you get outside the top five rounds, it's really difficult to find a lot of stuff. But scraping through, finding all our stuff with our draft prep that I've done for myself, a lot of good players.
1: And if you guys want to hear more about these guys, definitely check out the future of Flushing. You guys know John Vito. That's their podcast. They're going to have draft interviews with these guys coming very soon. So keep an eye out for those.
0: Which is also a really good time to bring in our boy, John, because of course, first half estimate is over. James is going to be wearing a full Jersey pants, cleats, hat, eye black, whatever it is to one of the Met games on a Sunday. We'll definitely uh, let you guys know. We will announce it. We'll make a big deal so you guys can come find him. But John's going to come in here, bring us estimate for the second half. John, outside today, John, how are we feeling? Ch-
2: Johnny Bahama. It's, it's hot out here, um, but, you know, I don't want to wake the baby. So I was like, I have one choice. My former studio uh, has turned into her nursery, so lost that real estate in the apartment. So, yeah, I kind of got relegated to the balcony, but it's a nice day. I uh, had to keep the computer cool because if it overheated, there would be no estimate. Um, all right, guys, before we get into that, real quick, I, I know you love when I do this. I got to ask you something. I don't think you guys brought this up, but it, it's, it's an interesting topic. It's the NBA in-season tournament. I need your guys' takes on this. What you guys think about the concept, and if you think that baseball should one day try to adopt uh, something similar. I, I like I, it for the, the NBA for because... I like it for the
1: NBA because the NBA regular season, and again, this is me not really a big NBA fan. I'm sure not baseball fans would say the same thing about baseball, especially with the playoff format. The NBA regular season means nothing at all. It's probably the most meaningless thing that we have in professional sports in this country. So the fact that they're going to have an in-season tournament where these guys are going to be going hard over December, which is also is amazing. This falls like right in the week college football ends, which is pretty incredible. And the final four is going to be played that weekend after the army Navy game. So that's an amazing thing. And, but every member of the winning team gets five hundred thousand dollars bonus. So these guys are going to be going hard Ooh. for it. So I think all of that together means that we're just going to see like highly competitive basketball on the time we don't really see highly competitive basketball. I think that part of it is objectively cool. But I see five
0: hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. But like we've seen NBA contracts, and like pretty much everybody makes like
1: sixteen million dollars no, no, no. a year now. It, it's still a lot of money if you're, and also these games are happening in Las Vegas. You're going to hand these guys oh. <laughs> <laughs> after tax quarter million dollars in Las Vegas. Like people are going to be trying to win this thing. I think. I don't know. I still think. I, to me, I like that the NBA is getting creative, but I think
0: like who cares? Like who cares about a midseason tournament? Like at the end of the day, everyone still wants to win the NBA finals. And as soon, and I, I hate to be that guy, but as soon as somebody gets hurt in that mid season tournament, it's dead. It's over because you just risked the entire season for a $500,000 like pay bump for guys who are making like $40 million a year. Like fans will hate this thing and turn on it immediately. There is no chance this ever comes to baseball. It will never happen. People hate the world baseball classic. And that thing is awesome. And the players care about it. The players are not going to give a, give a damn about this thing in the NBA season at all. I think it's going to be a like two or three year thing until they make a significant change to it. Otherwise, I think it is a uh, flash in the pan, cool idea that will never really pan out whatsoever.
2: Mark, I can't believe that you're saying that. This is probably the only chance that your beloved New York Knicks have a chance of, of raising a banner. Oh. So the fact that you're, you're poo-pooing this mid-season tournament. Dolan, yeah, Dolan's apparently
0: thinking about selling the team. We're not dead yet. We're not dead yet. I,
2: I will say, I, w- I was in Las
1: Vegas last weekend. as you guys heard. The sphere is so cool. It's incredible. Like, shout out James Dolan. He should really commit every single resource he has to building spheres all over the world. I heard he wants to build one (laughs) in London now. He should really just repurpose as the sphere guy instead of the the Knicks Rangers. And work on his music
0: too. Work on his music.
1: he's got a great music career. Oh, JD the straight shot. I mean, if if he if he committed hundred percent of his energy to JD the straight shot, like that that's radio music. Like that's top in the charts music. Like get Taylor Swift. Who plays kazoo? pop music anymore? Yeah. Oh, come on. Nothing.
2: Well, I see what you guys are getting at, but in all seriousness, I do kind of think that this concept of the NBA's could have a significant impact on American sports moving forward. It might not be this year, but this also paves the door for international competition. Like I see, the, I see a, a day where the NBA brings over teams from Spain, from Israel, from Turkey, from China, from all these other international leagues and put them up up against NBA teams and let them compete. I, I think it, I mean, we've seen Team USA in international play in basketball lose. So I don't think it's the worst idea I would James, say Maybe say. like
1: f- for the midseason tournaments or maybe like as novelty preseason tournaments. Because NBA, if, as opposed to any any American sport, is definitely the most global. MLB is working hard to get there and the World Baseball Classic is doing a lot to get them there. But the issue with the baseball, mid-se- any concept of midseason tournaments, just the fact that it's it's like these pitchers are on legitimate inning counts every single season. And like, we're, we're seeing a guy like Yuri Perez. Again, where we, we saw the Marlins in April. We're not going to see them until the last week of September. So a lot some Mets fans, they might not be that clicked into Yuri Perez, but he's as a 20 year old has become one of the most electric pitchers in all of major league baseball. And that team's yeah. having their best season in 15 clean years. And no more seven to season in history. Yeah. Yeah. Like through at the all-star break and they're, who saw that coming by no, the way? No, definitely coming? no one in this podcast. But um they like you're seeing them shut <laughs> like shut down for what's going to be probably a month, four weeks, six weeks. Someone who's become the one of the best players in their entire team. As they're having one of their best seasons in franchise history. So if that's happening in the games that matter because they even as a team that isn't even that securely in a playoff spot feels that securely about their standings and getting themselves to the postseason race. I I can't even imagine someone being like, "Yeah, I'm going to throw I'm going to use extra innings on these guys."
2: But now let me ask you this question. I get what you're saying, but what if? And the NBA might look into this also because, I mean, the sport fan determines what matters, what doesn't, right? If we want to just make a trophy and shift all of our attention to that one and make that the big one, then that over time becomes the big one. But what if winning one of these midseason tournaments becomes a postseason that's birth different. ticket? That's, well, then well, how that, much is it? That's mean? big. Then it takes on a brand. And the new other meaning. thing
1: I was going to say is that I think the NBA is probably moving here eventually, and I don't know if MLB will because we're such a stat sports especially like these volume stats but that could be changing too the way that we're seeing careers change in the home run uh the hall of fame conversation change if MLB winds up shortening their season eventually like shortening the regular season games then i could see the the inclusion of this kind of mid-season tournament playoff ticket or not playoff tickets a good idea john you should bring that to the board
2: <laughs> <laughs> they might be they might be listening so who knows maybe i don't have to But anyway, it's just a really interesting thing. I know we've heard about it for a while and it kind of just snuck under the radar a little bit with all-star weekend, Um, but the NBA finally pulled the trigger on it. And I'm fascinated by the concept and really curious to see how it, how it plays out. And also how it does in markets where, you know, they're look, not all 30, there's, there's still 30 NBA teams, right? Yeah. They haven't expanded. Not all 30 NBA teams are quote unquote competing this year. Right. I mean, that's the case in any, in any major league, you're always going to have five teams that are looking ahead to next year. Does this invigorate mm. the markets where those teams are playing? Does this give fans something to root for? And if it does, and it's kind of a case study, perhaps we see other other leagues follow suit in the future. But anyway, enough of that. Um, let's get to estimate. And I'm very excited, James. You know when you're when you're clacking around City Field, have you? Uh, no, I haven't decided. But we
1: we got we, we got a couple Sundays coming up. I mean, maybe no. just
2: like I don't know. We got Nationals the thirtieth. We've got. I don't think a Sunday is good. I think a Friday is good and then you go out after no, in your full No, uniform. because I want I, I want a to podcast in the
1: full uniform. That's kind of the whole point, John. You could There's no law saying you can't it's wear sure, it. Yeah, know. there
2: is. Me. I'm not going to wear it twice. <laughs> I'm not wearing it twice. So you guys you guys can figure that out. If you guys think You just said you want to wear it. You said want to wear it for a podcast, wear it for a But I think it would be a lot of fun if like you went to the K-Corner after a big Mets <laughs> went on a Friday night and you're it's just, drinking. you know, Rocking. I mean, you can tell everyone, like, yeah, I'm actually the bullpen yeah, oh, catcher. i will tell people I'm the bullpen you catcher. That, that's t- t- Tell people your name is Eric Langill. That'd, that'd, that'd be a
1: natural progression from podcast to the bullpen catcher. I mean, hey, uh, if you guys think it's funnier to do it on a Friday, I'm happy to do it on a Friday. I thought it was funnier. I thought it was better content, the content brain working and do it on a Sunday. But uh, I'll leave that to the peanut gallery.
2: If and only if you are willing to go out afterwards and um, kind of, you know, paint the town, whatever color of jersey you're wearing. Then I think that's oh, we do actually do U.K. corner. Hilarious. Then Mark
1: and I and our friends could do our classic uh, gather and LIC in, in the full kit. Yes. And I'll have to I'll have to wear the shoes because I can't
2: wear the cleats in the bowl in the bowling
1: alley. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that could be an option. It's not that bad. There you go. That's a good one. All right. Well, we've got some time, but uh, it's time to start the second half. So another competition. We have some time for you guys to figure out what the uh, I don't want to say punishment. Another show uses that term, but what the uh, what the loser is going to have to do. So. Um, we're going to kick it off by paying homage to some great leadoff hitters, Mookie Betts and Brandon Nimmo. Probably the best two leadoff hitters in the sport. Uh, Mookie Betts hit 10 leadoff home runs in the first half. He joined Bobby Bonds as the only players to ever do that in Major League history. Um, And we've talked much about Brandon Nimmo, the power surge he's been on. So for this estimate, I want to focus on leadoff hitters, not just the games, but leading off innings. I want you guys to tell me how many total bases will guys – Accumulate throughout the three-game series, leading off oh, innings. Man,
0: that's
1: like this oh is an God. impossible number. So there's going
2: to be nine in each oh, game. What the heck, John? You got to do a lot of thinking now. Yeah, there's going to the be varia- eighteen in each game when the variation's good. It makes it a whole lot Eighteen in each game. Right. Yes. Nine nine per game. Wow. Nine fifty four. Fifty four at bats. It can be support. really fun math
1: for John to do on Sunday. Fifty four. Could be. Could be. Yeah, or it could be 55 56. Yeah. or it hit. could be yeah. The Mets win a couple games. No, fifty two. Man no bottom 9 possibly
0: That's so many i don't even ha- i don't even have a clue what could be a good guess i don't even have a clue what could it's be a got to come guess. out
2: of the gate swinging yeah
0: i think
1: i think we got i think we got just 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 yell I got, some numbers out i got my number i got my number all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna i guess oh total, total bases doesn't
2: include walks correct correct okay. no it does not or hit batsman only only balls put in it's play critical
1: for nemo in years past um all right mark you got a number
0: yeah, I got a number. Ready? Yeah. Count it down, John.
2: All right, here we go. Three, 50, two, 54. one.
0: Fifty-four. Ooh.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Even when I even when I thought there was a, a really wide range of outcomes that you guys were gonna guess, you guys still <laughs> manage to have a possible tie, right? Yeah, there can be a tie. No. No, it can't oh, be a no, tie. There can even be a tie. Even difference no, 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 you day. guys both won even numbers. Yeah, it can't be a tie. That's right. All right. Well, that's good. Well, I'll be monitoring, and we'll be back on Sunday in person, right? First time in yes. a long time we'll be Loretta. back
0: in the stadium with the boys. So, uh, John, we'll see you on Sunday. Thanks for helping us out. Good. And uh, enjoy enjoy time with Sounds your daughter. Good. Peace yep. out. All right. See ya. Let's go ahead and uh, yes. finish up this Dodgers preview here for this episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Dodgers are good. They did kind of, like, struggle coming into the All-Star break, but, I mean, they're 51-38. and 38. They're back in first place in the National League. National League West, thanks to us knocking off the uh, Diamondbacks a little bit for them. So, I mean, they're just, they're loaded. Freddie Freeman is like just, and, and Mookie Betts are like two of the 10 best players in baseball. They're ridiculous. Will Smith is arguably the best catcher in baseball. Max Muncie still hits a ton of home runs. JD Martinez is completely back. I mean, what is there to not like about the Dodgers? Is there anything?
1: I mean, there's one thing for sure. I definitely want to give Roses to all these hitters in a little bit, but. With Clayton Kershaw going on the I.L. Uh, just before the All-Star break, that meant that all five of the Dodgers opening day starters, uh, uh, all five members of the Dodgers opening day rotation will spend time in the I.L., along with Tony Gonsolin and Walker Buehler missed the whole, whole season. So that's basically the seven top pitchers in the Dodgers organization spend time in the I.L. And that's just the fact they're having such a good year is such a is such hats off to their organizational development, their their pitching staff, the fact that they've had Emmett Sheehan and Bobby Miller come up and give huge, huge, huge uh contributions ryan pepio for a, a little bit before he also went on the il although he won the IL before the season started but last year he did some time they they have such deep pitching in their minor leagues even a guy like gavin stone who some people thought was a super prospect who mark always knows that i knew was not yes. the whole time because he was change up guy he he came up he pitched poorly for a while but he did come up and pitch like they just have guys and guys and guys never ends the dodgers double-a rotation would probably be a top 15 rotation in major league baseball like that's how deep this organizational well runs and the fact that they're getting by uh, we're at times there's six top pitchers to start the season. have spent time in the IL you, it, it, there's so much credit due to the way this organization scouts and develops their players. It's, it's really a modern baseball marvel. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've heard Steve
0: Cohen say like, we want to be like the Dodgers East, like, which is like, I mean, it's a very, very true, true fact. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough series. The Dodgers are really good. We did get their number last year. We know things are a little bit different, but yeah, this, this lineup's loaded. This team's loaded. They're, they're just so good top to bottom. It's, it's pretty ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Will Smith, you mentioned how good he is before he's walked more than he has struck out so far this season, which is like with an ISO over 200, 13 homers in the first half, only playing 66 games as the catcher. So at 162 game pace, that is all. like all oh, that's like 37 homers with more walks than strikeouts. It's kind of ridiculous. Mookie Betts, people were kind of look, got down on Mookie Betts for no good reason over the last few years. No, even no though he was good. still consistently at worst in the last five years. Mookie Betts was at worst 30 better than league average with his bat. Mm-hmm. He doubles some back issues. He doubles some hip issues. Those seem far behind him right now because he has the best isolated slug in his entire career over 300 right now he is only six home runs away from his career high that he sent 2008 when he had one of the best seasons in modern baseball history a a 10 win season he is also doing that while playing middle infield He's playing middle (laughs) infield, guys. Mookie Betts at 30 years old, one of the best outfielders in baseball, one of the best players in baseball, has logged 38 games combined to shortstop at second base for one of the teams with the best records in the National League. Think about that for a second. Think about that ability to adjust on the fly. Think about how good of an athlete you are. Think about how good of a teammate you are to be like, I'm going to play a position I have never played as a major leaguer. I'm going to play two positions I've never played as a major leaguer. I'm going to play them well. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to have the best power output of my entire career at 30 years old. And I'm still 5'9", 180 pounds. He is. I love Mookie Betts so much. He is so damn good. You even look at a guy like JD Martinez, who it seemed seemed pretty dead the last few years. He got he lost his hitting coach in Boston, came back to the Dodgers, found his hitting coach again. seven in the league in barrels per plate appearance. Like it's ridiculous what this team is able to do with their major league player development. It's it's a little bit stupid, and the the fact that they've been this good for this long and still have less than thirty percent of a World Series is so freaking funny. Even Corey Seager admitted. On, on, the, uh, on an interview a few weeks ago that he wants to win a real World Series. This Dodgers team, as much as they do year over year, the output, the talent, the scouting, the player development, they still can't win a World Series. It's hilariously funny because they always get their roses. They deserve them all. But it's just, it's such a, such a funny dichotomy. Shout out Corey
0: Seager. He even said it wasn't a real world series in 2020. He said, uh, I want to win a real world series with the Rangers. 2020 was, th- that didn't really count. So, they haven't won a real world series still in forever, which I, I love. Shout out Corey Seager. What a dog for saying that. He'll always have a special place in my heart for saying, he won the world series MVP. He said it wasn't a real world series. So, This team's really good. Mets were playing good baseball going into the break. Like, if they just have a a ball break here or there against the Padres, they win that series, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my goodness. This this team's coming in hot. This team's been playing good baseball. Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, Alvarez, like, all the guys that you know just keep swinging the bat well. Tommy Pham, hopefully he's feeling better after the injury. Hopefully nothing too serious. And just need some guys to step up, too. Like, McNeil had a, a bit of a down first half. The pitching hasn't been as consistent as we had hoped. All those guys play better. You can all of a sudden start to see the Mets maybe break off some win streaks again. And all of a sudden you're starting to compete. There's not a lot of games left. There are how many games left? I mean, the Mets are, what's, what's their record again right now? Do you have it off the top of my, your head?
1: No, but just in general, to, to kind of like make this a little tighter for everybody, we have uh, five series, basically 15 games before the trade deadline. Yeah, there's 15 games before the trade deadline. The deadline is August 1st, I believe this year. And we have an 8-10 game that night. So 15 games still the trade deadline. Probably got to go worse, nine and six, nine and six to keep this thing, keep this thing going, keep the party rocking this year. And we're getting the schedule, pitching schedule set for this Dodger series. Like I said, the Dodgers have a lot of injuries, so their schedule is not set right now. I don't even think they know who's going to be pitching this series against the Mets. Just Julio Urias not. Friday night against Justin Verlander. Also, it's going to be an Apple TV game. So shout out Wayne Randazzo, going to be back in the building. We'd love to, love to say hi to our friend Wayne. Kodai Sanga seven o'clock Fox game on Saturday. So two national TV games for you guys. On Friday and Saturday, Apple TV, we know sometimes very hard for us to access these games. But, you know, we got Howie Rose on the radio, so no big deal there. And then Max Scherzer for the Sunday Mad We'll be back in the ballpark for that one. So, you got the three guys. That's it. Got to play some good baseball right now. Keep this thing going. Get out to the ballpark. Hopefully, we'll
0: see you guys there. I think that's pretty much it for the preview. Pretty much it for this episode of the Mets Up Podcast. I can't think of anything else here. So let's just go ahead and wrap it up, put a nice bow on this. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. You know where to follow us, all our social media at MetsUp. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you can see the video version of this. Uh, If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. Follow James on Twitter at...
1: James underscore Shiano. And me at Giraffe
0: Neck Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening and watching, and we'll catch you after the Dodgers series. Peace out.